This is ESPN Crick Info. Bowl at Boys. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Bowl at Boys here on ESPN Crick Info. Joining me is Jeffrey Boycott, all the way from South Africa this time. How are you doing, Jeffrey? Uh, better weather here than England. Thought I needed to come and get a bit of rest. Pretty busy for me in England. This is my rest period. All right. Hope you're resting well. So let's start the show with that. And uh, first couple of questions were about the World Cup. The first one was sent by John Thompson from Australia. He says, Jeffrey, it was announced recently that the World Cup will be shared if the final ends up in a tie. Now, the 2011 World Cup had the rule of super over in case the final was tied. That may not be the best way to pick a winner, but isn't having some rule to pick a winner better than making two teams share it? What kind of rule would you prefer to have if the two finalists scored the same number of runs in the final? Well, I never enjoyed the uh, the super over. It wasn't played in the World Cup, but it was there. But uh, I've seen it played in uh, English cricket. Uh, I didn't think it was a pretty fair way. And for a World Cup, you know, I prefer for two teams to share it. Because they've played nine matches when they get to the final. They must have played very well to get to the final. The two teams are fairly equal. Uh, and it's farcical then if they're pretty equal after nine matches. They get to the final. They're equal in the final. But uh, to play a, you know, a six ball, one over, which is a bit of fun for the spectators, good for TV audiences and radio listeners maybe to watch the bowl out, but a bowl out bears no real reflection of the skill of either teams. There's no real ability. There's a bit of skill, you might say, but there's a lot of luck. It's a bit of a lottery to bowl six balls down and hit a stump. Uh, but what about cricket's about everything, isn't it? It's about batting and fielding and wicket keeping. And they play no part in it if you have a bowl out. But they are just as important to, to cricket as bowling. And I believe a super over is really like that BBC. We used to have a BBC TV comedy. It's, called, it's a knockout, it was called, with Eddie Waring commentating. And it was just a giggle and a laugh. Nobody took it seriously. And that's how I feel about it, you know, six balls, a super over. Surely for me, the 50-over World Cup, the pinnacle of 50-over cricket, shouldn't be decided on six lucky cricket balls bowled at the end of a six-week competition. There must be something better than that. So share it is right. If there must be a winner, I, uh, I like your idea, then. if there must be a winner, then we need it to be part of cricket, something to do with everybody. And I would suggest something like five overs each. Proper rules, the laws of cricket, bowlers only bowl one over each, and at least it will be the full 11 taking the, scene, uh, taking the field as a team, not just one person, all the pressure on one guy to bowl six balls at the end, whether you win the World Cup or not, that's not right. You play as a team at cricket, all 11. You are individuals within a team, but it is a team. And everybody should be involved in whether you win or lose. And if you have five overs each, bowlers ball one over, then everybody is in. The fielders are important. You don't know whether you're going to get a bat or not. Bowlers can't take over. They only have one over. And I just think it's played under the proper laws of cricket. There's a chance that that might be better than a super over. But I'm quite happy with two teams to share it. I think it's a very sensible idea. All right, fair enough. Second question was also on the World Cup. Anwar from United States sent this one. He says, Hello, Jeffrey. I do not have a good feeling about the upcoming World Cup after seeing some of the scores from the recent list A matches in Australia and New Zealand. 
There were batsmen scoring double centuries and teams chasing down totals in excess of 350. Do you think the World Cup will be the same kind of one-sided affair or will it be more of an even contest between bat and ball? Why can't the administrators understand that fans want to see a cricket match and not a slog fest where bowlers are an afterthought? Great question. And I wish you were on the ITC Cricket Committee, <laughs> but I agree. One-day cricket for some time now has been lopsided in favour of batsmen. Boundaries are so commonplace, they are becoming tedious. And I find that I watch, I watch and listen to some commentators, they talk it up with jingoistic language, heaping praise with superlatives like salesmen desperate to please their TV bosses and sell the product. There is a falseness about it all, and an overemphasis on every boundary that you begin to find annoyingly repetitive. The 50-over game has been a splendid advert for cricket. It's been wonderful. It needs reassessing, but it's a wonderful test of skill, character, commitment, with every type of cricketer able to get into the game. It doesn't need jazzing up, but the ICC keep messing about with the rules. And for a while now, just recently, we've had one more fielder in the circle, which means one less fielder out to protect the bowlers. And it's always helping the batsmen, isn't it? Whoever thought it would be, it's madness. There are some excellent ex-players on the ICC Cricket Committee who have played a lot of cricket at the top of the international game, and they ought to be able to see, like you, that the 50-over game has an imbalance and needs some reorganization to be fairer to bowlers. Spinners are getting slugged to death by ordinary batsmen. The greats of the game who hit the ball out of the park, you accept that, or hit it to the boundary regularly, you accept the greats. But you've got ordinary, average players miss it in sixes and fours with heavy bats, smaller boundaries, less outfielder protection. It's silly. It's not good for cricket. And if it carries on like that, then it will be a disappointment for the World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. Okay, it's time for a question for the England team now, even though you have left the UK to get some free time. Barry Kelsey from the UK sent this one. Jeffrey, England are now in a subcontinent without players like Graham Swan, Kevin Peterson and Jonathan Trott. What kind of challenges will this team face now? And what kind of expectations do you have from the team, even though losing or winning in Sri Lanka may not be the ideal preparation for the World Cup? Well, going to Sri Lanka is not ideal preparation. And that's why after the beam to Sri Lanka, they have a little time off before the World Cup and they're going to play a tournament in Australia. It's going to be India, Australia and England. So they get used to some kind of pitches which they, they will play on in the World Cup, which is Australia and New Zealand. Very different to these slow, turgid turning pitches in Sri Lanka. So you can see the reason they're going to, uh, to Sri Lanka at the moment is purely to complete the Future Tours program that was arranged ages ago. Ah, it's madness, really, but it's all about finance. You know that already, all of you. I mean, all the countries sell their team like product on a shelf in a supermarket. The more matches they can give them, one day, test matches, 2020, the more television money they get. So they just keep them going around the world. And then they fit in the T20 World Cup, the 50-over World Cup. They won't have a test championship World Cup because... They say it doesn't make as much money as one day or so. It's all about money. But, but our team in England, it will be different. Anderson and Broad are England's two best seamers, and they are going to be playing in Sri Lanka. So 
And so Sri you may get an occasional pitch that's similar to a, a South Island pitch in New Zealand. Well, we play in Wellington and Christchurch. It's just possible you might get one. Possible only. But most of the, the English public don't expect England to win the World Cup because the England performances have been up and down and recently. Players, as you say, have been disappearing for various reasons. As KP was sacked, the Swan declared himself finished with cricket. Trot had uh, mental problems. Pryor got a serious injury. Other people got injured, like I've mentioned. Uh, Anderson was injured. Broad had an injured uh, foot. Um, you know, there's all these people. There's a, a loss of form by the captain. You know, that's hurting the team. And if he's not making runs, as many others, I'm one of them, they're not convinced that he's the best man to open in 50 overs. I'm question mark about that. I'm not against it, but I, have, I do have a serious question mark about his captaincy in one-day cricket. So all these question marks are, are there in the public's mind. They can see for themselves. They don't have to just wait for his ex-players to tell them. People are not stupid. Most people, like you, writing in with these questions, you love cricket, you watch cricket, you played cricket. So you're not daft. You see England are in a, a bit of a quandary about many things. They've even got question marks over the spinning department. They've got two off spinners, Treadwell, who's experienced, and uh, the new lad, Ali. And, you know, but there's nobody to spin it the other way. No left armour. Two off spinners. Off spinners are easier to hit to the boundary for right-handers because they hit him with the spin. You know, and, and last time we had a good off spinners, one in Australia... They murdered him, did the Aussies, because they hit him out of the park with any kind of spin that he could rotate on the ball, which is only a little, but they hit with it. They disappeared. You know, our best fast bowling prospect has been messed around by the bowling coaches, Finn. He's just coming back a bit, but he's still not at his best. So everybody can see that, hey, hell, there's nothing to be feared by England. You know, they've got a lot of work to do. But the best thing I can say about England is there is plenty of room for improvement. Okay, it's time for the fourth question of this episode. A pretty technical one this time. Uh, Naved Hashim from United States says, Hello Jeffrey, I've always wondered if ambidextrous batsmen are going to be the next big thing in cricket. If a batsman can take stance right-handed against an off-spinner and left-handed against a left-arm spinner who are bowling in tandem on a turning pitch. It will be a huge advantage for him being able to play with the spin at both ends. If you ever come across a freakish talent like that in club cricket, would you advise the youngster to stick to batting like that or would you encourage him to strengthen his skills with the preferred hand rather than trying too many different things? I've never come across that freakish talent. If I did come across it, someone could do that. If he could do both well, and that's what I say well, I'd say go for it. Invention, new things are good for the game, provided you're good at it, not just doing it. I mean, a lot of people kind of bat one hand and turn the other way, and they can do it a little bit. It's like throwing. They throw very well with one hand, and they throw a little bit with the other, but they don't throw it equal, and this is the difference. You're talking to me about somebody who's freakishly equal, properly ambidextrous both ways. If he can do that, yeah. Look what happened when we got people coming in with the reverse sweep. Or the reverse hit, the scoop, the ramp. They're all interesting, exciting. And when they come off, they're fantastic. They leave bowlers bewildered and field placings and make them look silly, which is great for the game. But players also, you know, sometimes execute these shots and they don't execute them very well. 
they get out overdoing it and not playing it well. And the gimmick doesn't look so good then, does it? Great batsmen, great one-day batsmen don't need gimmicks. Viv Richards didn't need gimmicks. Clive Lloyd, 100 in the first World Cup final. Sachin Tendulkar, for most of his career, Sachin didn't use any of these. He was as orthodox as you could make him. If you wanted a textbook player, it was him. Even playing one-day tickets, even getting most of his hundreds. Only later on in his career, he could indeed use one or two of the, the reverse sweep and that sort of thing a little bit. But he didn't need to. Is that good. What about Javid Meandad? He didn't need any gimmicks. Ricky Ponting, in the last, what, 15 years, he's been the one best, best one-day batsman in the world. As orthodox as it comes. Beautiful player. Made big scores. Best player we've had for a while in one degree, I think, is Graham Goose. Very orthodox. I'm open-minded to say and believe to anybody, I would say, whatever you do, how you play, make it work. That's the only thing that matters. If you're batting, make it work, get runs. Okay, then, that's the end of this episode of Bullet Bikes. Do join us again uh, in two weeks from now when Jeffrey Boycott will be back with us to answer the questions. Send in your questions, your feedback via feedback form and Mr. Boycott will be back to answer most of them. Till then, goodbye and good luck. You are listening to ESPN Crick Info.